One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This is the Runner's World Podcast. Hello and welcome to a very special Runner's World Podcast. Today and tomorrow we'll be at the London Marathon Expo and we're going to be interviewing a variety of people to give you a sense of the rich tapestry that is the London Marathon. First up, we have Harry and Oscar, who are running as a tent and a rhino. Uh, So we're going to be talking about them about the Guinness World Record attempts in their costumes. We have Leon and Lloyd, who are taking part in New Balance's Everybody's Race campaign. Paula Shrimpton is joining us to talk about mental health and how running has helped her massively in her recovery from depression. Uh, Mr. Tech, Kieran Alger, is joining us in the studio to talk about marathon technology. And Runner's World's own Jane McGuire is here to talk about all her training ahead of her race on Sunday. Whoa, what a packed schedule. What a packed schedule. We better get started. We better get started. This is the Runner's World podcast. All right, well, our first guests this morning are Oscar White and Harry Vols, two men vying for best-dressed runners at this year's London Marathon. <laughs> one man running in a rhino costume and one man running as a tent. Let's start with you, Harry. Why a rhino and what are some of the challenges of running in this costume? Well, um, the rhino just sort of came about. I, I was running for Save the Rhino charity and... It was literally just offered to me on a plate, really. Do you fan- we have one costume left. There's 15 runners. Do you fancy doing it? And I was like, I'm never going to get this opportunity to run again, so I have to do it. So I just sort of took the chance, and I've trained a couple of times with it in a um, couple of half marathons and everything, but it is so much heavier. It's 10 kilograms extra in weight. It's uh, really, really hot as well. It's like running in a sauna. <laughs> so it makes everything so much tougher. Um, but, yeah, it's good fun at the same time. Do you think there's? A, do you? I mean, the rhino has become quite iconic. I think as a, yeah. as a costume for the, the marathon, does that add a bit of pressure to you? Do you feel like you've got? Oh, to... definitely. I think there's going to be some extra eyes on it as well. I mean, you're not going to miss it as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's so easy to spot, isn't it? Yeah. And um, I mean, I've only trained half marathons in the rhino costume. I've right. never done a full marathon, so when I get past that halfway point, it's going to be like unmanned territory for me. <laughs> so uh, yeah, trying to complete the whole thing is going to be really tough. Yeah. Uh, but hopefully, I'm sure the adrenaline, all the eyes on me, the extra pressure. It's going to push me over the line. Yeah. And let's turn our attention now to the tent, because this is a less iconic um, <laughs> costume in many ways. Almost a first. Well, I thought it was a first, but I recently got a message from another tent man. What? Um, I know, I was quite surprised. But actually, I'm quite happy, because I think it would be brilliant to get a whole army of tent men <laughs> running around and, and supporting each other. And, you know, the more tent man, the merrier, really. Yeah. I mean, yours is a proper tent, isn't it? I mean, this is a real... You wouldn't want to be stuck behind you. Yeah, so I, I'm trying to set the world record, uh, Guinness World Record for fastest marathon in a tent. And their rules are very strict in that it has to be a commercially available tent. And I've gone for a £20 uh, cheap decathlon tent, which is a two-man tent. I mean, it weighs three kilograms. It's perfect, but yeah, it's pretty bulky. 
We, we, we had a quick chat about this earlier, and there was actually some things that I hadn't even thought about about running in a tent, which is probably the same for running in the run outfit. First thing, you can't see your feet at all. Yeah, I mean, that's one part of it. But the other, the biggest part is the wind. Right. And even the slightest wind, which knocks you side to side over a long distance, it just absolutely hammers your ankles. Right. And in a recent 16-miler with testing the tent out, uh, my ankles swelled up and I sprained both my ankles just from running in a tent. So uh, we're hoping for kind of still winds yeah. uh, in the marathon, yeah. So Guinness World Record, it's sub five hours, 15. Okay. No one's actually set the record. Um, a female called Ellie, who ran for Save the Rhino, is, has actually completed uh, the female record. But in terms of the male side of things, hasn't been set yet. Right. But there is a Guinness World Record baseline. So sub five hours, 15 is the time to beat. Okay. I think it works out about seven and a half minutes per kilometre to actually do it, how, which is still quite tough. How was your, So in you. terms of how your half marathons, what times were you running then? So I've done two. I did uh, working on the half, and that came in at two hours uh, 16. And okay. then Vitality Big Half, that came in at two hours 19. And that oh. was seriously windy and tough. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. But um, the extra... The extra half is going to take me a little bit longer, I think, yeah. especially it's so busy as well. I think it can take a, a little bit longer to actually get around people and sort of manoeuvre myself. But hopefully if I keep on track, I should stand a good chance. All right, so we need to, you know, everyone who's running, keep an eye out for a rhino and get out of the way. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and in nature, I think that's a wise rule. <laughs> if you see a rhino, get out of the way, but especially on Sunday. Yeah, agreed. And what about the, what about the tent? It's quite a punchy time, isn't it, you've got to go for? Well, so apparently the world record is currently four hours. Um, I've actually struggled to find out who's actually set that, but um, I would be aiming for closer to three, so 3.15, 3.30 would be good, yeah. but it's highly dependent on wind and temperature because it's literally like running in a sauna. Yeah, well, I think you're both going to get lucky this Sunday because it, it's, it's apparently going to be 14 degrees. Yeah. It's kind of it's ideal marathon running. I mean, ideal marathon running if you're running in a vest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it might be slightly different if you've got a full body costume. It all seems perfect, isn't it? Yeah. It's been like, what, 24 degrees last weekend, isn't it? So I think we can have asked for better sort of conditions and yes, hopefully no agreed. rain, no yeah, wind. Yeah. It should be okay. So if people want to find out more about the tent to start off with, where can they go? So I think if you just type in Tent Man into Google, we should come up first. But um, So Tent Man is around getting Britain active yep. and it's actually uh, helping to raise funds for the Outward Bound Trust. Right. Um, so they've got a lot of information. And then also a company I run, uh, Bionk.com, which is like Beyond, but with a K. Yeah, so edgy. Bionk.com, exactly, <laughs> edgy, which helps people get active outdoors and it's part of getting people active, um, has this whole information about Tent Man. So go check that out and try and support if you can. Great. It'd be brilliant. And how about you, Harry? Where, where can people go to find out more about you? Or the, or the cause that you're raising for perhaps. So the cause, obviously, type in Save the Rhino International. They're a fairly iconic charity with London Marathon. And fantastic charity. They're there to protect the five species of rhino. Three critically endangered. Two have less than 80 in the wild. So they do some fantastic work. So type in Save the Rhino International charity. It will explain about all the amazing projects they're doing across Africa and Asia. Um, in terms of my challenge, particularly, just type in Guinness World Records. I should be on the, the homepage. And there should be an article in the video there. Great. Amazing. Harry and Oscar, thank you very, very much for joining us on the Runners World podcast and best of luck on Sunday. Yeah, we'll be thank out there cheering so for sure. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Thank you. This is the Runners World podcast. So we are joined now by Paula Shrimpton. Paula, thanks very much for coming on the Runners World podcast. Um, like many people taking part in London Marathon, you've got an incredible backstory and kind of motivation for 
taking part. And I wondered if you could just give us a brief overview of kind of why you're, why you're running London on Sunday. Um, so I was a runner as a teenager, school, school days, early um, adulthood, joined the Royal Navy, ran for the Royal Navy. Um, I had an incident happen to me in the Royal Navy that I suppressed. It made me very ill. So a long story short, from about the age of 20 to the age of about 46, very ill with mental health problems that also, and I'm not ashamed to say it because I'm proud of who I am now, um, ran alongside a serious eating disorder. Mm. Um, I had five children in that time and was in a very um, abusive relationship um, eventually, in my late 40s, I met somebody once I'd got divorced, um, and my life sort of gradually came together. No apparent reason, I can't tell you what it was, um, but from about the age of 46, I got well, very slowly. Um, and this has been a journey, and, you know, in my 30s, I nearly lost my life. I took a very serious drugs overdose. I was in intensive care for right. over a week. Yeah. So this is a celebration of being alive. Yeah. Um, I'm 50 now, so my 50th year wasn't about reaching 50. This is, I'm alive, my life begins now. So this marathon's going to be very emotional for me because it's it's not just about running the 26.2 miles. It's about... I'm alive and I'm living my life. I've missed the whole of my adult life. I want it back now. And it's running hasn't replaced anything. I was always a runner. Yeah. It's that I'm now well enough to be able to do the things I always loved. Um, and then, yeah, it's been three years slowly getting my health back. And I'm looking forward to doing a lot of things. Yeah. Not just running for the That's an amazing story, Paula. Um, and I think that... Uh, a lot of people will relate to that in terms of their own personal journeys to, the, to that start line. And I think it's amazing that that's the, the attitude. I think a lot of people treat a marathon as a, just an easy benchmark that, that can be sort of ticked off as a bucket list thing. But in fact, the significance of it is, is actually incredibly important. Very much so. I, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to be here. Yeah. Very lucky to be here. I, you know, I, I died when I took the overdose and they were lucky enough to get me back. And so this is very much a celebration of, of being here and doing something I love. I love running. It was mm. something I always loved. And yeah. to be able to join a running club and make friends again and start to enjoy everything, not just running, but everything. So. Yeah. You said it's been a three-year journey of getting well enough to run. How, yeah. What was the first point that you were you, you suddenly sort of on that journey did you realize there was a, a significant moment or did you just sort of suddenly progress into it uh, I was lucky enough to move to Spain we lived in Spain right. for a while it was the first time um I didn't have to work full time so I didn't work so um away from uh, people that I knew people that had always known me as a certain person that I could actually look after me so um, I joined a hiking group in Spain to make friends. And from there, I met somebody that belonged to a local running club. And it was predominant. It was all women. Um, sometimes some men ran with us, but it was a ladies running club. Um, it was trail running and it was in the mountains. So a lot of it, um, you can't run, you have to walk because you're using your hands and that was actually a good way to slowly build up to running again um, and being away I know it sounds silly but being away from friends and family that knew me and had been supportive it actually gave me real time to look after myself and, and concentrate on me yeah, so I think leaving the country actually yeah. helped me I know that sounds bizarre yeah. but um, I didn't have to work and I could focus on looking after 
after myself. But it, was there a magical moment? No, I, I couldn't tell anybody. Um, I've tried to support another lady, or a young girl actually, in her 20s, going through similar things mm. to me. And she'll say, what happened? How, what did you do? What happened? I can't tell you. Mm. It's just something clicked. Um, How do you think you'll feel, Paul, when you, when you cross the line on Sunday? I reckon I'm going to bawl my eyes out. <laughs> it will not be a pretty picture when I cross the finishing line. There will be no glamorous shots, that's for so- sure. Yeah. Um, it will be very emotional. I will be very um, happy. I've trained very hard. Um, I, I got an online running coach to make sure I did it properly. Oh, nice. um, and so I, I'm waiting for it now. I'm, I'm ready. I've done the training. It's let's do it now. So. Yeah. It's going to be incredible. And I've watched the London Marathon since the first ever race. Yeah. Um, not live, but on the telly. And yeah. I watch it from the minute it starts to the minute the coverage finishes, whether it be in bed or on the sofa, <laughs> but I watch it. Yeah. So to actually be able to do it myself is, is even more special. Yeah. You mentioned there a little bit about um, an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. And there's been an increasing amount of pre- press in the running world about bringing to light eating disorders and some of the messages around that stuff how did you begin to recover from that what was there anything I'm just thinking about the moment in which your life sort of began to turn around how you overcame something like that okay so being very open and honest um, my eating disorder started at the age of 19 whilst in the navy and it was to do with control I had no control over where I lived what I wore even what I said because it's a hierarchy system so subconsciously that's how my brain took control of of what I ate Um, and once you get into part of an eating disorder it becomes habitual it was something I did so um, gosh I'm sharing a lot here Um, part of my eating disorder was being sick so um, when I ate I was sick after I I was eating and also at at one period of time heavily addicted to laxatives Um, and I got to the point when I left Britain that people had been used to seeing me a certain size and it's quite frightening to let go and the, 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 the battle you have in your head of are people going to judge me when they say you look well so when somebody says to somebody with an eating disorder you look well you don't think thank you very much that's really kind you think oh my god I look fat you're saying I've put on weight that's well that's my um, interpretation of it and people that I've known that's been their interpretation of it I can't speak for everybody obviously Um, but that's what you tend to think and once I'd gone away from Spain where nobody knew me it was safe Mm. I felt um yeah, I felt safe to finally start and also to realise that if I wanted to go back to doing the things that I enjoyed and, and my mental health coming back, I had to fuel my body. I couldn't run on what I was doing and I was beginning to enjoy my life and I wanted to live a long life. And if I tried to do what I was eventually ended up doing, I would have had a heart attack. You know, I just wasn't giving myself enough fuel. And so it's... It's letting go of of the fear that people are going to judge you. So now when I came back to Britain, living here and uh, back to where I used to live, and I see people that I haven't seen for 15, 20 years because we lived, we were um, in Essex and we've lived quite a few places, Cambridge, Oxford, etc. And then when I went back to Essex and people say, you look well, it's yes, I do. Thank you very much. (laughs) You know, I do. That's great. And I do. And some people don't double take. It's like, oh my Lord, you know. And I think it was moving away and 
thinking it's, it's safe now to change and, and, and get well. And also there's to coin a phrase that is used around eating disorder support groups. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. I had done it for so, so, so long. Um, and I wanted to get my life back. My children had grown up and they've left home and um, I wanted to enjoy my life. And I, I had a, a wonderful man in my life who who supported me. And so it wasn't easy. It yeah. took me a good two years to break that habit. Um, yeah. yeah, it wasn't easy. I think it's a fantastic story of survival. That And I think that's that that will be the message that a lot of people I think will take from from your running and your story is actually someone who's 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 getting through it and got through it i think it's fantastic yeah. i'd like to give somebody a story of hope that there is hope i'm living proof that there is hope yeah because in my 30s when i took my overdose overdose didn't want to be here i was mm. convinced the world was better off without me i had three small children at that time mm. That didn't matter as far as I was concerned. They were all better off without me. I was a burden, et cetera, et cetera. And that you, you can see the other end. There is light at the end of the tunnel, it, I promise you, if you stick with it. It's frightening. It's very hard to let go of something you've had for a very long time, and it's really scary. But it is all right in the end. It honestly is all right in yeah. the end. Best of luck on Sunday. Thank and you very thanks much. Thanks very much for enjoy sharing it. the story. Really enjoy it. I will do. Yeah, Thank great. you. Great. Thanks, thanks so much. Brilliant. Yeah, what a fantastic uh, last interview with, with Paula there. It was amazing, wasn't it? Yeah, and I, I get the sense that the London Marathon is, is full of those kind of inspiring stories of, of why people are, are lacing up their, their trainers and, and doing it. It's just scratching the surface. You've got 40,000 people. I mean, yeah. people are racing, people are doing but there's, there's, there's a whole world of emotive reasons, and it's... Uh, it's amazing that uh, Paula's story is, I think, one of the one of those ones that will hopefully encourage, as she said, give hope. Yeah, to, to many, that would be nice. Yeah, definitely. Um, this year at the expo, we've got um, for more inspiring stuff uh, the Inform and Inspire stage, Runners World Inform and Inspire stage yep. at the expo, and obviously we've got the Runners World stage as well. So it'll be lots of great uh, stories, information, and advice. So if you are heading to the expo. Um, do check it out. Mm, we've got online on the on the website. There's a there's a list of times and who's talking on the stage. Um, so people giving advice on training and nutrition for the race day and mental health and how to get your you know the positive mental attitude for race day. And then on the actual stand itself, we've got information on pacing and all sorts of everything going on with the magazine. So you spend lots of time milling around the expo and have come and have a word with us. This is the Runner's World Podcast. Okay, so we're here now with Leon Cerrone and Lloyd Kempson. Uh, welcome to the Runner's World Podcast, guys. Thank you. For Thank you. Us. Thank you. So, Leon, you've been yeah. on the front cover of uh, Runner's World, actually, so it's quite interesting to have you in the, in the studio now. Yeah, it was a bit of a weird one getting to ask to do that, but yeah, once in a lifetime, I think. Current, no, it's great to have you on. Um, Still available in shops. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> in, all, in all good WH Smiths. Um, how has running improved not just your physical health, because you're a very good runner, but do you feel like it's made you a kind of happier, healthier runner as well? Uh, definitely, it's helped me uh, mentally. I mean, I'll try and keep it as upbeat as, as possible. I had quite a, a rough kind of end to 2017 and, and start to 2018. So cyclists before kind of running um, had a big crash and, and had to have an operation to kind of almost kind of rebuild my left arm in a way. I kind of smashed it in six places quite bad. Oh. And I was in a bit of a bad way mentally and kind of stumbled upon running and fell in love with it and and here we are now doing yeah. uh, doing London so was it an instant thing for you did you kind of instantly get something out of it 
pretty much. I mean, I kind of I've signed up for a half marathon and thought I'd hate it and just thought, right, I'll do it. Keep myself off the sofa, you know, keep things ticking over. Yeah. And after three or four runs, it just clicked, and I was like, I was hooked from that point on, really. And Lloyd, you you've been rapid at shorter distances, and that's been your sort of thank you. Yeah, well, <laughs> congratulations. Um, but but you, this is your sort of step towards the marathon, right? This is how's it been going? How's the preparation been going? Yeah, this is a big step now. Um, try, sort of transition from a track runner to the roads. Um, and yeah, I mean, one year doing fifteen hundred meters, and then the next doing twenty six point two miles is quite a big <laughs> step up, and I think it's chopped a few people. But uh, I knew that I was always going to go to the longer distances, yeah. and I've got plans to go further and further. Really, sort of the slower I get, the further I'm going to go. <laughs> um, so I knew that it was always going to going to get to the. That's 26.2. an exclusive ultra running is coming. Yeah, <laughs> this is it. One day. We'll was there see. was there anything about London in particular that appealed to you for it being your kind of first marathon? Did you want it to be London? It had to be London. Yeah, even if I'd have got offered a place overseas for a marathon, I would. I wanted London to be the first one because I live in London. I'm a London boy, and just being in and around the streets and having the opportunity to, to run in certain places of the city that you yeah. don't get unless you run London Marathon for yeah. me is just a massive achievement. Um, and yeah, there's not even though there's forty thousand people that do it each year, I still don't think that's a lot of people in the world that can say oh, I've done London Marathon. So yeah, I, I want to sure. be one of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's right. How's the how's the the difference in the training been? It's sort of like what's the average week now look for you? Like in compared to when you were doing track stuff now to now, has it had how did your body respond to that sort of shift in mileage and stuff like that? So the actual volume hasn't increased. My my weekly mileage has still been eighty to ninety miles a week right. on a full week. It's just the type of training that's a little bit different. So rather than smashing hard anaerobic sessions mm. and hitting the lactic system, it's all it's all been more um, tempo based work and uh, marathon paced long runs. Um, and just getting into that zone that I'm going to be hitting in the race uh, sooner rather than later. And then in terms of how my body's reacted to it, I have just been tired quite a lot, yeah. and, and, and generally most runs don't feel great. And then just like Leon said when he first first started his running, it just eventually clicks, and then I think then you realise, ah, I'm in pretty good shape. I'm yeah. Go. So Leon, you, you also had a... Um a spell as a boxer as well. Is that right? I did, yes. Many moons ago, I used to get punched in the face for fun. <laughs> yeah. what, what, what weight were you, what were you fighting at? Um, I was middleweight towards the end of right. my short career, if you, want to call, <laughs> if you want to call it that. Yeah. yeah. And do you think it's helped you at all in, in your running to come from that kind of background? I think definitely it's helped. It's kind of, I, I don't know what it is about me. I, I gravitate towards sports that you kind of have to hurt yourself in <laughs> cycling boxing running you kind of have to be able to put yourself yeah. in the hurt box for want of a better word and um it doesn't get much more hurty than getting punched in the face or the ribs so yeah. um i'm hoping come kind of mile 20 i might be able to hop back to my <laughs> I've times been here before yeah picking yeah, yeah, myself yeah. up off yeah. the canvas and, and kind of finishing it so yeah no, i'm sure i'm sure that helps from a kind of mental strength perspective it's all kind of definitely in the same world yeah would you um as a sort of this transition into running, is there one thing now that you would tell someone looking to get into running? If you had one bit of key advice that you'd kind of like want to pass on? is stick with it. Uh, uh, going back to the, question, the, the first question and, and the first few runs, I hated it. It was, you know, it was terrible. Everything mm. was aching. My knees were sore. I was like, I'm done with it. I was going to throw in the towel and just stick with it because it will click. You will have that one run and it will be just like, boom. I'm, I'm here and I'm enjoying it. So, it's, yeah, take it easy and, and, and stick with it. Yeah. 
And Lloyd, you, you did a bit of um, running coaching as well, is that right? Yeah, that's so what, right. What would your advice be to anyone sort of thinking about taking on the marathon for the first time? My advice is to, when you first start out, just keep it casual, keep it fun, find some friends in your local area that go out for running run in as well, uh, find a local club and just keep it really social. And then you'll find your own process and you'll find your own way that works for you. And it's not it's not going to be easy and 90% of your runs are going to be hard and they're going to be tiring. But yeah. when you do experience then that runner's high, which you will eventually, then I think you'll realise that it's so addictive that you'll stick at it and you'll keep going and keep going. Yeah. And that yeah, that's that's the best bit of advice I could give anyone. Sounds good, yeah. And as Sunday approaches, how are the how are the nerves, how's the excitement? <sighs> what which what bit of the day are you most looking forward to? I, I was fine until you asked that question. All right, good. Um <laughs> for me, the, the preamble, the it's like the cool room of a track race. I hate it. Everyone's psyching everyone out, everyone's looking at each other. But as soon as the gun goes, or as soon as that horn goes, I'm like Okay, we're sweet. All I've got to do is get to the finish now. So as soon as that as soon as that gun goes, I'm fine. But in the in the lead up to it, in the morning of the race, I don't really want to talk to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess you both go in for for sub three. I'd you know uh, I think you both do that comfortably. Certainly, certainly well, you, Lloyd. There you go. Leon, <laughs> signed off by Rick. You've done yeah. about a, you've done a one twenty no, no, half no, job no, done already. No pressure. <laughs> but I'm interested in when you when you you know you race you're racing marathons at this at, at the level you guys are at. What are you looking for in a shoe? Do you want something that's quite lightweight? Um, for me, I've been trying to find. I've, I've struggled with some shin splints towards the end of my training, so yeah. I'm trying to find something that's going to get me comfortably through the the 26 miles without flaring them up too much. So um, I think I've found the shoe that I'm going to run in. So hopefully my shins will hold out for <laughs> for 26 miles, and and we'll see what yeah. time I kind of run in. It's um, it's my first one, so it's going to be a whole. Yeah, it's a learning curve. For sure, and it's for sure. Without sounding. Um, it, it's a process. It's a learning process. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah. How about you, Lloyd? As For a me, track man, I need two things. I need response. I need response from the shoe. Yep. I need and I need a lightweight shoe. And then the third thing, which isn't too important for me, I just need something that the way I can explain it is so that I feel like my foot isn't touching the the floor. Right. I just need something that feels like a slipper. Um, because I'm a, I'm a neutral runner and I, I I'm a four foot lander and I just i need something that's quick off the ground um so for me to get through 26 miles new balance 10a is what i'm going to be using um fresh foam is just it's the nuts it's the best i think it's the best and uh yeah well we'll see when i run sub three apparently (laughs) (laughs) um you've been part of uh new balance's everybody's race campaign um have you found how have you found being part of that um it's completely bonkers to be honest you know it's um (laughs) The, the, the closer and closer we've got to the marathon and we see our faces pop up on tube signage and <laughs> people sending us pictures on Instagram of our faces all over the place. It's been um, it, it's been a bit of a whirlwind. I mean, it's been a, amazing for New Balance to, to ask me to be part of it and us to be part of it. They've got such a heritage in, in running, you know, with, yeah. with how long they've been around and um, their kit's great. So, I mean, it's it's been a real privilege. It's once in a lifetime experience that I'll I'll treasure you know and uh, go back to maybe show the grandkids who knows yeah. have you yeah. found that it being your first most people don't get there to the start line of their first marathon having seen their face on the tube <laughs> Do you, is that like added to the pressure or is it I, it's I, I feel like it's added to the pressure um it's definitely a bit yeah it's a bit daunting um 
you know, with the exposure you've had yeah. and, mm-hmm. it, and it being your first one. But hopefully, yeah, my nerves will hold out on uh, <laughs> well, Sunday. If it helps the people we had on before, one of them was running in a rhino costume and the other guy's running as a tent. Okay. So it could be worse. It could be worse. Yeah. I mean, the, the tent guys are running for 3.15. So, <laughs> so if we're, if we're flagging. <laughs> so I need to beat a tent <laughs> if we can latch on. You need to at least beat the tent. <laughs> okay, yeah. right. How about you, Lord? How have you found being part of New Balance's Everybody's Race campaign? It's been a whirlwind and yeah. a very new experience for me. I'd never done anything like this before. I'd never had really had my photo, t- photo taken except maybe my friends taking a photo. Yeah. But um, yeah, just the support from New Balance has been amazing. Uh, just having them in your corner with, you know, kit and support from, you know, professional coaches and stuff like that has been remarkable. Um, and I remember when we first started out, me and, me and Leon were chatting quite a lot, like just texting and stuff. And it was like, geez, I wonder how this is going to go. Like, how's it going to take off? And then all of a sudden your face is on Oxford Street and it's like, oh my <laughs> Lord. Like, it's yeah, remarkable. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I mean, in terms of the pressure. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. has it added to it I suppose it has a little bit but I don't want to kind of just succeed for myself now I kind of want to represent the brand and, and nail it for them as well yeah yeah um and yeah fingers crossed <laughs> yeah oh, well, you know 26.2 miles is a long way it's a long way yeah you know, just to add that in <laughs> fingers crossed we beat the tent yeah. <laughs> gotta beat the tent guys gotta beat the tent yeah there's loads of fast people dressed as weird things it's that's the one thing about London you'll suddenly find yourself at like a turd emoji will be overtaking you at some point I did get beaten by a pencil once in a half marathon you know it was quick quick pencil but you beat me some of these costumes though they're, they're, they're not that different to a vest are they you know like a pencil what's he what's he really adding I saw that I saw that a guy a guy's got uh, a guy I know he's got the world record for the fastest marathon in a, in a superhero costume oh right yeah um, yeah and it was it was basically just a onesie yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. a speed suit absolutely it was literally an all-in-one <laughs> are you prepared to share on air what time you're hoping for a goal Lloyd what do you think ballpark well my a goal is probably like 201 <laughs> 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 but if I don't hit that, yeah. then two hours fifty nine, fifty nine. Okay, yeah. right. So yeah. I might be lunging for the line. <laughs> How about you, Leon? Um, I'd be happy with yeah, two fifty nine, fifty nine, first time. But it's yeah. I, I'm kind of going in there to enjoy the experience as well. Obviously, I've got I've got a goal, and I would like to go sub three. But yeah. I'm trying not to put too much pressure on myself yeah, to do that sure. in the in yeah. the first one. But who knows that what will happen on the on the day. Yeah. Well, best of luck on Sunday, guys. Thanks so yeah, much absolutely. for coming Thank on you the very much. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Yeah. Cheers. Awesome. This is the Runner's World Podcast.
Well, we are joined now by Kieran Alger, Scott Kane, and Sim Benson, three soothsayers of the running world, here to tell us a little bit more about how they see the future of running. So welcome to the Runners World podcast, guys. Let's start with you, Kieran, um, as a kind of tech guru. What is the tech that's currently exciting you right now? I've just seen a, a brilliant product. I mean, I'm, I'm all about using tech to improve performance and kind of, you know, get, get the best out of myself. And there's, there's three big questions that a lot of runners ask themselves. One is, am I hydrated? One is, am I fueling right? And the other one is, how do I run as fast as I can without hitting the wall or breaking myself? There's a new sensor that's being developed right now called Sweaty. That's real name. And this is a, a patch-worn sensor that is basically going to be able to help you answer those three questions. So it uses sweat analysis to tell you if you're hitting your lactate threshold. It'll tell you if your blood glucose levels are reaching levels where you need to refuel. And it'll also be able to spot whether you're hydrated. Now, this is pretty much kind of holy grail stuff for runners. If you think about specifically running a marathon, you know, those are three big problems. So I think this this stuff is really exciting. And, it, and it's it's kind of coming soon. We thought it would be a lot longer, but it's... It's inbound, so soon running is going to become a whole lot easier. As it was a patch, yeah, right. So is it is it sweat that it uses to monitor, or moisture, or skin, or how is it like? It's it's sweat. So they've worked with Imperial College London to basically do the science on this, and they've they've sussed out that they can use sweat particles of sweat as a as a proxy for blood. So you don't need to, you know, the old school way of doing it. A lot of serious runners will know this. You do a lactate test, you do laps around a track. You take blood with an ear prick or, or from the finger and then you send it off to a lab to be analysed. Yeah. Now you can do this real time using the sweat as a proxy. It's worth saying that this is, product is still very much in development and you know how the technology actually pans out, how it speaks to your smartphone and all of those things are, are yet to be seen. But they've proven the science behind it and you know that's half the battle. Yeah. And in terms of so marathon future marathons this means that you could be training and and work out that the gel that you've been having after five miles is not crucial and actually it's the the, the gel at seven miles is going to be the, the best the one. yeah right absolutely or, or still you know if you look at the, the london marathon start line you'll see a lot of people 15 minutes before taking gels now you know that have i have i had enough carbs in the morning how am i fueled at that point do i really need that gel or am I just setting off a, a chain reaction, which means that in 20 minutes' time, I'm going to have to take another one? You're basically going to be able to make smarter decisions about your fueling and hydration. I guess the other thing that a lot of people might do is overhydrate mm. marathon race day and be drinking too much at, at, at water stations and, and such like. And that can, you know, affects your performance. So any of these things that you can, you can maybe get alerts or alarms that say, you know, now's the time to drink, now's the time to eat, stops you, stops you eating too many Harry Bows, going to be great. We mentioned water stations there, and I know that London are, are, are trialling a sort of new water uh, system for, for a small amount of runners. Sim, as somebody who's interested in sort of sustainability and the environment, um, what do you think about that? And, do you think, and what are some of the ways that races could become more environmentally friendly? Yeah, London, London seemed to actually be really trying to get on board with the sustainability. Um, the, so David Attenborough has put a lot into this and people a lot more people want to be plastic free and big big sort of road races are one of the hardest places to do that um so what london have this year um 
they've reduced the number of water stations that they normally have, which obviously has a big impact on the number of bottles, the number of sort of drinks that they need. And I think it's it's from twenty six to nineteen. So it's still there's still a lot. You're not gonna you're not gonna run out. Um but it does have a big impact. Um they've got a closed system of recycling for in several of the boroughs. So they know how many bottles are there, um and they collect them all and recycle them. Um the Buxton who are sponsoring it, it's a fifty percent recycled bottle that they're using, um and which are also going to be recycled. Uh Lucas Aid uh for the first time using a hundred percent recycled plastics in their bottles. Um and they've also got um they've got one aid station that uses um compostable cups which they're composting and they've got another aid station that's using these um it's like a seaweed gel um that makes a bubble of leucosaid and you get given a, a bubble which is uh, like a fairly big mouthful you put it in your mouth and bite it effectively and it, you get this like flow of leucosaid in your mouth which is a little bit of a weird experience but actually it works really well and it does mean there's no no waste at all um so yeah they're which is good because london's massive so when, when they do things the other other races get on board and and follow on yeah definitely so scott you're you're chiefly concerned with how cities themselves and kind of town planning could become more sustainable. I mean, that's what Run Friendly is about, isn't it? Is that right? Very good question. Um, so Run Friendly is like, we call it like Airbnb for showers. So for people like, I guess, many of the listeners and uh, people here who run a lot, um, but you might also be considering about, well, could I fit more mileage into my you know normal week? Yeah. And therefore, could I consider run commuting, uh, which I personally have done for about 10 years. And, Run Friendly was really a, a sort of observation, which actually you can go and meet your friends, you can go to meetings, you can and you can fit in the run. But actually, there's that slightly awkward moment where you try and find a nearby toilet to kind of have a quick splash wash or whatever, and then uh, and then go to your meeting, and you never feel quite right. So Run Friendly is basically we've persuaded um, an enlightened bunch of gyms, hotels, co-working spaces, um, retailers, some like Decathlon, for example, um, and they've got showers already. So we're basically saying, we'll help you sweat your assets. Nice pun. Um, and um, and it gives people the opportunity to get clean in multiple places across the city. Question for Kieran and Scott here. Obviously, London is, is an actual race. So there's going to be real people there on Sunday. But there's, there's obviously the rise of the virtual races. So starting with you, Kieran, what, what do you think about these virtual races? Can you see a time when they overtake real, you know, kinetic human races? I think you have to sort of distinguish. So there's there's some races where you, you basically sign up and you use a, a watch or a tracking app to say, I'm going to do 10 kilometers or a marathon, and then they'll send you the medal once you can prove the information. That's one kind of virtual race. I guess the other way is looking at when you're in the sort of virtual reality or um, something like Zwift, where you're running races on a treadmill or in a fixed position. I, I, I think the, you know, the popularity of virtual racing is is quite surprising actually yeah, a lot of yeah. people are motivated to go out and and do these runs on their own i think it shows that 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 motive that how technology can can be a big motivator for people you know if you can get somebody who's going to go out and who's willing to run on their own do 26 miles <laughs> for a medal yeah I, I think that's a brilliant thing yeah. will it replace people wanting to turn up and, and do it when you've got lots of people handing you out harry bows and, and patting you on the back as you run along london probably not but again you sort of there are driving factors here London, Tokyo, New York, these are vast races that everybody wants to run. And what is it like? Rec- well, record-breaking number of people tried to enter the, to London in the ballot this year for a small number of places. So how does London give everybody that experience? 
And that's certainly, while the challenge hasn't been answered yet with VR, those things, that's definitely, there's definitely commercial reason to go and do that. Yeah. Um, and I can see that, you know, in the long distant future where we can wear something virtual reality that doesn't feel horrible to sweat in, yeah. in an environment that feels hyper real. Whether you're running on a treadmill or you're going outside, anything that can encourage people to, to move more is, is a mm. big bonus. So if you can find a way to make a treadmill run more exciting by watching a visual of you tracking through the streets of London, pretending it's the marathon, then I'm, I'm all for that. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's got to be a, a, a good thing. What about you, Scott? What do you think? So, um, so I would agree on anything that helps people run more is a positive. I would then say it's about what you choose to optimize for. So, uh, we were discussing actually, uh, just while we, uh, before we came in. So if you, if you think about, um, mental health and mental well-being, um, or the flip of that being, you know, happiness, something that we kind of strive towards, um, there are two main determinants that the, the science basically suggests that will improve your mental health and well-being or certainly your self-reported happiness. Yeah. And one of those is essentially we're social animals. So spending time with other people is the single greatest determinant of, 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 of happiness and well-being. So even if you're an introvert and even if the people that you're spending time with are strangers, it's still better than spending all of your time alone. Mm. Um, that that's what's plays out and so if we think about from an urban context you know you can have intense social isolation and loneliness even though you're surrounded by others so i would say uh, and the second one is basically exposure to nature so even if that's small doses of nature so you can be moving through you know pocket parks and you know passing by the river you know small, small bits of river um those kind of things are going to improve your 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 sense of well-being so i would say um i would be cautious mm. um in my optimism about um, you know, too much virtual and extended uh, reality uh, replacing our ability to come together with others. I think that the explosion in things like run tribes, which are slightly distinct from run clubs, are fantastic and they become much more intensely social things. And I think that's kind of an optimist's view about how we'll, we'll extend. I think you could take a slightly more negative view about, well, actually, if you're just going to go and essentially get into a cupboard, you know, cover yourself <laughs> in sensors, run like Billio, and then basically think, well, I beasted that, you know, I, I did Kipchoge over the first two miles. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether that will sustain happiness over a longer term. I wrote yesterday actually an article that's on, on runnersworld.com slash UK, which is for, for Earth Day, is related to a study that was published in February, which was um, to do with uh, children being exposed to green spaces and the direct impact on mental health as an adult. Yeah. So if anyone wants to sort of have a bit more of a look, there's a very interesting study just on the website, which is which a very obvious sort of makes sound very obvious conclusion. But actually, the study, I think done in America, proved that the importance of green space in an urbanized world. Yeah. And I think just because we know it doesn't mean necessarily that that then influences our own choices and behaviours. And so actually the more that that can be kind of repeated and, and sort of revalidated, the better. Um, you know, the, the, we, were, we were joking about it as well, which is say, in terms of self-reported happiness, there's this thing called mappiness. It's like happiness, but mapping it geospatially or, or on a map. And um, the very worst thing for your happiness is supporting a football team. <laughs> uh, and the very worst thing of all is supporting a good football team because you expect them to win. So I'm a Blackburn Rovers fan. Brilliant. I'm much more happy than I... You know, I wonder the, why you're so happy. It's so yeah. jolly, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Because we're rubbish and I never expected <laughs> us to win. Kieran, uh, you, do you want to c jump in and defend technology here? I, so of course, yeah, always. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I mean, I, I think it's, it's fascinating because virtual reality 
if you've if you've experienced virtual reality recently, and I know, I know a lot of people probably won't, and I've I've been lucky to test out a few new um, setups. One of them was a, a football simulator that's being used by Premier League football clubs. Not Blackburn then. Probably not Blackburn <laughs> ever. <Ouch>. And um, <laughs> and one was was for it was for cricket, and I was flabbergasted even as a tech journalist to to come in and see how hyper real the the environments were. You were basically I was sent out into a onto a cricket pitch in a stadium with a crowd cheering and Ireland's fastest bowler <laughs> came out and bowled a couple of overs at me. And the experience was like you were there. The football setup was very similar. Now, VR doesn't lend itself brilliantly to running because there's a bit more of active movement. But in terms of the mind and how you feel in the space, actually, we're getting closer to a stage where you can kind of mimic some of that. And it'd be fascinating to see whether... That face, fake, uh, fake environment operates the same way for happiness being in a green space in the real environment. It it probably doesn't, but maybe we're going to edge closer to being able to give people access to green spaces who might not actually have had them before. And I think these these things are really interesting. VR is definitely coming on to it's it's the hyper reality of it is getting yeah. getting impressive. So Sim, you co-authored Wild Running, so presumably you're you're in the nature corner here. Would that be right? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't really even begin to imagine wanting to go <laughs> plug myself into a computer and run around. Although I, I would be interested in trying it. Cause, but yeah, for me, and I'd argue for anyone if they were honest, um, if you went somewhere beautiful and went for an amazing run along like a, a natural feature, like a ridge line or following a river or anything like that, and without the pressure of a race, just just going for a run, um, I can't imagine anything that any like that any technology could beat that for a sense of happiness. Yeah. Um, so I think well, I think it it I imagine it would be an amazing training aid, um, and I imagine it could be very good for people where it's in sort of more urban environments where it's harder to get out too often. Um, I can imagine it being good, but I can't imagine it ever being better. Taking the place, yeah. Right, final question into the near future now. What's what are your plans? Start with you, Scott. Running plans, twenty nineteen. What you got next? What's coming up? Uh, so, personally, I, I'm going to my most immediate running plan is to try and work out a less toxic air quality route back to the Elephant and Castle because <laughs> uh, having run here, the one I chose, I'm pretty certain wasn't the best one I could have yeah. taken. Uh, uh, beyond that, I'm, I'm going to try and um, do uh, three halves under one one and a half hours so okay. i've i've yeah. just done the first one and i'm now tickling 50 so you know these are going to get harder and harder yeah. i think so that's that's my my plan nothing longer sounds good kieran i'm going back to a race that i've failed to finish twice for a third bite ah, called yes. the lavaredo it's a 120 kilometer run in the dolomites out in italy and i'm basically using all of the technology <laughs> i can to try and help me get to that finish line because i i absolutely have to third time lucky yeah, otherwise I'm definitely going into the dark room with a VR. <laughs> I will never come out. And Sim, what about you? Um, well, in a couple of weeks' time, um, me and my wife and our kids are going up to Scotland yeah. for probably five or six weeks um, to go and sort of scope out a load of new trails that we've lot of new places we've not been to. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna go running around the Cairngorms and then go across to the west coast and get out to Torridon and hopefully get out to some of the small isles like Egg. And oh yeah, get out yeah, on yeah, Mull. great. Um, so yeah, no races, but loads of exposure. <laughs> <laughs> Great, Scott, Kieran, 
Stephen, thanks very, very much for coming on the Runners World podcast. Interesting to hear more about the future of running. What do you think, Ben? What's going to happen? Well, I think Kieran's going to hide in a cupboard and everyone else will have a lovely time. <laughs> no, it sounds great. Thanks so much, guys, for joining us. Thank you. This is the Runner's World podcast. Our final guest of our day one marathon special podcast is Runner's World's own Jane Maguire. Yeah! Yeah! Welcome, Jane. Thank you. Um, Jane, you are set to run on Sunday. I am. How are you feeling? I felt really good until last night I had a kind of like, ah, which I think everyone will have at some, that noise, everyone will have at some point. <laughs> yeah. um, and last night I felt a bit like, oh God, but apart from that, I felt really good. Right. Like training's gone really well, not yeah. injured. No injuries. No injuries. It's been a textbook build up actually. I know, I've, it's been like perfect. Touch wood. Well, touch wood, touch wood, where's wood? What did you put that down to? Have you been like following so something? So I or? have been... Um, the whole idea behind London for me is to train from a watch because I think people, you know, spend a lot of money on a running watch and you don't realise how much a running watch can do. So I've been following a Garmin plan and at the end of each kind of session, your watch will say, oh, rest for three days, rest for 24 hours, eight hours, whatever. And I've kind of been really following that because I think normally when I'm in a training kind of plan, I'll oh, I'll just do a quick run today or, oh, I'll cycle to work or I'll kind of not actually properly rest. And I have I think it has helped. I've never kind of got to... There was one week where I had a kind of niggle in my leg and I missed a couple of sessions and I took a week off to go skiing. But apart from that, I've not, you know, found the plan overwhelming. I've not kind of had moments where I've been like, I just don't want to do it today. I can't yeah. do the mileage. So it's kind of worked really well. So shout out to Garmin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is, we wanted to sort of, I'm going to sort of speak on the sort of the grander scheme of it. But as Jane was saying, like people buy watches and they can cost up to four hundred pounds. Oh, easily, space, yeah. And, and the technology in them and what they can do, and you know, there's, there's, they can now tell you predicted VO2 maxes and recovery times and mm. and all of this sort of functionality. But a large proportion of people we've spoken to about it will buy one because they want to just track a run mm. so they might and they might mm. want metrics as they're running but there's never any sort of like for uh, afterthought kind of like oh interesting. yeah sure. it's like oh i want to know my cadence and i want to know my current pace and yeah, i'm yeah. kind of set or heart rate or something like that. so yeah the whole feature which will be on runnersworld.com slash uk when jane has written it well uh all about how training to a watch is a very useful thing to That's do interesting. what are you most looking forward to about London um, is there anything that you're dreading mm, I don't think I'm dreading anything actually I think I feel quite chill about it and I don't know this will probably not really appeal to most people listening but I think because I'm writing about it I've kind of removed all emotion from it okay, yeah. <laughs> so at the moment I'm kind of just like okay yeah I've got to go and do that on mm. Sunday which I think is really alien to everyone else I guess because yeah. not many people will be writing about it but I think I'm not really dreading any of it I'm kind of actually no I'm probably dreading getting there because last time I did it I was very late and they were ringing the bell and it was all very chaotic and stressful so that was the only thing I'm dreading yeah, but right. that can logistics easily, kind of stuff. Li- yeah, yeah that the, the planning side I'm not that good at but actually the run not really dreading anything the weather looks good I've kind of got practice loads of different fueling um so I'm kind of feel yeah like you know oh, that's hopefully, good hopefully it'll all go well I yeah. might feel differently on the morning I guess, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I think that um, 
the fact that uh, this is marathon number two for mm. you means you've had that initial... Mm. Like, yeah, I've done the kind of terrified, turning up late, yeah. running off too quick, getting stitched, getting cramped. I've done all that. So mm. kind of like I've ticked all that kind of off. Um, and I think I'm just kind of... I feel quite like whatever happens will happen. Mm. It'll all be fine. And, you know let's just just kind of see and yeah. then try and enjoy it it really annoys me when people say that but. no i think it's um because it's hard isn't it you're like oh yeah i will try and enjoy it but i'm still running a marathon so yeah. that's that's difficult it's not as if you know going out for a picnic no you know, make sure you enjoy it um, <laughs> but i think i wonder if you, you have done it before i mean specifically what are some of the things that you will change this time um slow down at the yeah. beginning i think it's so hard if when you've been training for something for so long mm. and you get to the start line, you're like, oh my God, I'm here. It's so hard not to kind of get swept up in that awful like wave of people that kind of everyone runs off that line. So definitely chill out, you know, see how I feel. In all my training runs, I've been pretty calm and I've got to kind of 20 miles and felt, okay, this is all right. You know, I can do this. And hopefully I feel like that on the day um, to definitely kind of slow down. And I think last time I didn't, I don't know. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy it at all. Mm. I kind of found it all... I was definitely cry. I found it all very emotional. Yeah. You know, all it takes is like a dad to hug their kid and I'm like, gone. <laughs> but last time we just <laughs> cried for like four and a half hours and all the pictures of me, I look like I'm in pain and I, I probably was a bit in pain. But I think maybe it's a kind of... I think I just went went in with the wrong mindset. I went in mm. with, I can't do this. It, it's going to hurt. And I think if you think that, it will mm. hurt and it will be rubbish mm. and you will hate it and you will get to the finish line and think, no, I never want to do it again. So I think this time I'm just going in with, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And, yeah. you know, if I enjoy it, you know, hopefully I'll enjoy it. And if I don't, it'll only hurt for a bit and it'll be fine. Everything will be fine. <laughs> so that's kind of my, like, mantra. I think that sounds good. I think you need to bring bring that positivity to race day and even when it gets hard in race to to keep forcing yourself to be positive is, yeah. is I think crucial that yeah. everything will be fine is probably one of the best mantras i've ever heard wanna... there's, no, there's, there's no great grandeur of no. like positive it's just everything will be fine <laughs> i want to be best friends with kipchoge and he's always happy and smiling mm. isn't he yeah. so he's my like oh yeah if he's, if anyone's going to be the inspiration is mr kipchoge yeah I mean. like he's always so when you see him he's like chill he's happy so yeah that's you know I'm the next Kipchoge. You've had it <laughs> <Yeah>. here first. <laughs> Jay Maguire, the new Kipchoge. Yeah. Are are you? Um, presumably, you're not going for the world record, but um, are you going? But are you going for a time? <laughs> um, no, I've all along because um, I've been training. That's a really weird thing about the Garmin plan is it's to time, right. not to. So all my runs, you know, have been like run for three hours, or you know, so I've kind of had to pick a pace to kind of stick to. But I am. The mo- I'm again probably really annoying for lots of people who care about time. I'm not. I can't let myself be that bothered by it. Yeah. So I'm kind of like in my head. I know there's a ballpark you know, sort yeah, of. Yeah. Like yeah. oh that would be cool to run that, but I'm not kind of like right. I've got to do this and I've got to do this and stick to you know get mm. sub four. Yeah. Because I think for me I've got that kind of personality that would actually ruin. Mm. All running. If I was like, right, every run I have to do this and I have to do that and I have to share my times on Instagram and I have to like yeah. I just can't get into that yeah but that's enough. great for some people that really motivates them but in my head I kind of know where I want to be but I guess I'll kind of 
on the day. See what happens. Yeah. See how I feel. You have to you have to remove the the things that are negative and and encourage and like latch on to what's positive, and then that can be social media. It can be a way of training. It can be uh, you know any form of Mm. something that arises when you're doing these like long training stints you really have to work out yeah what benefits you and what doesn't yeah yeah because I mean, I some people they lo- use social media like the training diary mm. and that's totally fine mm. like, you know so allowed but for me you know i think if i did that all my friends would be like you know right hand no we're gonna follow you now <laughs> <laughs> you know it's just like i'm not an athlete so i'm kind of a bit like yeah i'll do i'll yeah, I always say you do you, don't I? I'll do me and I'll yeah. see what happens. And if it works, great. And if I get across the line in a time that I'm really proud of, then great. But either way, I've run a marathon. Well, hopefully I've run a marathon. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of yeah. like... Well, I think that this is this is an important part to uh, mention the Runners World Pace team. Yes. In particular, the man sat opposite you, Mr. Rick Pearson, who's pacing 345 from your start. I'm calling it start. the Good for Age Garrison. So. I mean, I would... <laughs> So, I mean, in terms of, it's not not to say that, you know, but if you wanted a friendly face to follow during the race. It's true. It's true. You might see me like... 3, 44, 59. Perfect. <laughs> Equal level splits throughout. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I think you probably could run that. But like say, maybe it puts pressure on you to, to do that. So, well, choose like- where you go. Like my friend Kipchoge, I've got Berlin coming up oh, right, yeah. in yeah. September. So, I feel like London... See what happens, and then go quick in Berlin. Berlin. New target. Yeah, watch this space. Yeah. Well, Jay, best of luck on Sunday. <laughs> Thank you. Maybe I'll see you during the race. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I'll just cheer from the sides. Yeah. Well, yeah. I've got contact lenses now. That's been a big game changer. Oh, great. Yeah. I can now see. So Huge I'll difference. be. You know, it's great. Everyone listening. <laughs> If you can't see, get contact lenses. Because it's changed my running. Like, I can see people. I can see road signs. It's been amazing. So I will be able to see everyone coming to watch me. Are you going to be wearing anything distinctive on the day for no. your family and friends to All follow black. you? All black. The ninja. Yeah. Stealth. Yeah. Running ninja. Stealth Jane mode. Yeah. <laughs> Jane, thanks so much. Good luck on Sunday. Thank you. Bye. This is the Runner's World Podcast. So that brings us to the end of this very special issue of the Runner's World podcast. We'll be back again tomorrow with more inspiring stories from across the running world. Yeah, I mean, today was a good day. Tomorrow it will be even better, I'm sure. But um, it's just nice to be here and to feel the excitement building. You're almost kind of feeling the expo from here. Almost. Yeah. Almost the stench of expo. (laughs) Thanks very much for listening and hopefully we'll see you again tomorrow. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.